This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. And welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky. As always, I'm joined by Nick Horwat here on this early Monday morning. We are one week away from the NHL trade deadline. We're not going to get too deep into trade deadline discussion, other than when it comes up naturally when talking about the weekend's games, just because we've covered it a lot. There hasn't really been any new rumors circling around the Penguins. I mean, I guess that is just life with Ron Hextall and Brian Burke in charge of the Penguins. But what we will do, we'll recap the Pittsburgh Penguins weekend, two wins over Vegas and Colorado. We'll preview the matchup for Tuesday night against the the Nashville Predators. And then we'll take a quick playoff look ahead because we haven't done that yet. We're getting to that point of the season, just about 20 games remaining before the postseason. We'll look ahead to the postseason, see which players we like, and then we'll finish it off with our Pens poll. But... Like I said, we're getting it all started by talking about the weekend that was for the Pittsburgh Penguins as they are now riding a two-game win streak thanks to their handiwork on Friday and on Sunday. First and foremost, the game against the Vegas Golden Knights. Horwat, has the shine come off the Vegas Golden Knights a little bit? Like when they come to town, does it not mean nearly as much considering that Marc-Andre Fleury is not there anymore? The shine came off the Knights while he was still there in my eyes. Really? No offense to the Golden Knights or any of our Golden Knight friends. Um, they're just an annoying heel. (laughs) That's what they are. They're the team that came in in their first year and said, hey, guess what? We're going to go to the cup final. Screw you. And then they're going to carry themselves like they're the hottest shit ever since. You know, they, the way some of the annoying fans and the team just, they just carry themselves as the best thing since sliced bread. Mm -hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. They're a great team. Maybe not this year. They've been a great team in the past. But just something about the e- the the high ego that they have. That's just they're a heel. They're they're the annoying heel in the league. They're in on every trade rumor. They're in on every big free agent. They're going to do the cap thing this year. I hope everybody knows this. Yeah, they already they're are go- with, with Mark Stone. So that's what I'm saying. They're gonna do it again. Like it's gonna happen again. You can't be mad at it because guess what? It's technically legal. Mm-hmm. We saw it last year, it, and the argument was, hey, they can't do that. Well, they can. They shouldn't. That's just, But that's just the way the rules are. Quite honestly, the the uh, the salary cap should remain in effect through the playoffs. But screw that, I guess. That doesn't matter. So what they're doing is allowed. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not fun. It makes things very unfun whenever you're not cheating, but you're taking advantage of a flawed system. <laughs> That being said, they're a heel to me. So no, the shine wore off a long time ago. So I don't, I don't like this team, especially just how like low key dirty they can be in some of their players. I didn't, I wasn't a Mark Stone guy when he was in Ottawa, mm-hmm. and then I initially called his journey to Vegas his face turn, but then I realized what team he was on. So that all went dirty for me. I don't know. It's the shine has worn off for me, so it's really fun beating them all of the time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like as big of a deal anymore, right? The Vegas Golden Knights, you're playing the Golden Knights. Like, now it's the Kraken. But realistically, I think it's just because it's been five years. At this point, they are a staple in the National Hockey League. 
And I will say to the, to the extent of them being the annoying heels of the NHL, I did see one person, I'm not going to say who it was, I did see one person saying, wow, this is the first time I've ever truly been able to say that I can't stand watching the Vegas Golden Knights. And I was like, it's been five years, first of all, and you've been good for all five of them. Like the first time that they're less than spectacular, they're still in a playoff race. They were in first place for a long time in the Pacific Division, and their starting goaltender has been out half the season. So, like, if that's really what you're saying at this point of the season, then, man, that, that's the one thing that got under my skin a little bit. I was like, really? You, you have nothing to complain about as a their, their fans got spoiled yeah. right away. Right away. It was their first year. Their team, the Golden Misfits, if you will. Which, by the way, again, they weren't misfits. It's not that your team didn't want you. It's that they couldn't keep you. Uh, I think there were a couple. There was a couple. The guess. Golden Misfits line, which was Marcia So and Riley Smith, because basically Florida was like, I'll give you Riley Smith to take Jonathan Marcia So. That's why it makes sense, in my opinion, for those, that line at least. Okay, yeah, that's fine. But the whole like Golden Misfits team thing, like that's annoying. Yeah. That's We didn't want to give up Flurry. We kind of had to. Well, yeah. I, I think whenever it was talking about the entire team, it was wrong. But I, that's besides the point. We'll get into the actual game uh, from Friday, let me run down through the goals really quickly, and then we'll discuss what we saw in the game. First period, the only goal scored was by a returning Mike Matheson for the Pittsburgh Penguins, his eighth of the season, and the Penguins led one to nothing after one. Second period, there were three goals, two by the Vegas Golden Knights and one by the Penguins. First, it was Jeff Carter putting in his first goal in what seemed like forever to give the Pens a 2-0 lead. Then Jack Eichel was able to net his fourth of the season. Alex Petrangelo followed it up about four minutes later. And after two periods, it was a 2-2 tie. Then in the third period, the Pittsburgh Penguins played really well and started to take over in this game. Mark Friedman came in, scored his first goal of the season. He is quickly becoming a folk hero in Pittsburgh as that would end up being the game-winning goal. The Penguins tacked on a power play goal by Brian Rust about 15 minutes into the into the third period. That's Brian Rust's 20th goal of the season, his third straight 20-goal season, and looking for his first 30. I, I think he'll be able to get there. And then, of course, at the end of the game, Evan Rodriguez gets onto the score sheet with an empty net goal to make it 5-2 to two Pittsburgh Penguins. That's where it finished. Pens win 5-2, to two, get back on the winning side of things against the Vegas Golden Knights. Horwat, what did you think of the game overall? It's a good game. It's a it's a battling game because we went through that whole Golden Knights rant and only mentioned what of their new players. Only mentioned uh Mark Stone. Mark Stone. We didn't even talk about Jack Eichel. We didn't even talk about uh Petrangelo. We didn't even talk about the uh just absurd Oh, is Theodore even still in their lineup? I didn't think Yeah, Shay really Theodore is in their lineup. We don't. We didn't talk about how absurd his growth has been. Mm-hmm. It's that they're, they're a good. They're genuinely a good team. Like that's why they're the heel, though. Like that's heels in wrestling can be good. Mm-hmm. You know, some sometimes those are your favorite guys. But for the Knights in hockey, no. I mean, people might look at the Penguins as heels too. Well, guess what? I mean, I'm okay with that. I like that heel. I don't like this heel in the Knights. And this is a game that it's fun winning because they. Because the Knights are a team that can battle back like that. They have the firepower to just kill you. I mean, we look at Jack Eichel coming, a new resurged Jack Eichel, mind you, mm-hmm. who, you know, had some things to say to Buffalo fans. I loved that, but we won't get into it. No, I, I saw both sides of the argument, to be fair. Um, then there's 
Petrangelo, who, again, they're in on every free agent. Mm-hmm. Where is this money coming from? And he does the thing. I did see a tweet, too, that was like, the guys we the guys we acquired to do things are doing things. Mm-hmm. What is the state of the Golden Knights? Because you have a hell of a lineup. You're going to do the cap thing again. And you guys are a good team. I don't know what your goaltending is doing this year. Like you said, your starter is hurt, and you got rid of Flurry. Um, oh, that's the other thing about Vegas. They treat their players poorly sometimes. We've seen it a couple times, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I don't know. You're a good team. And the fact that the Penguins are able to pull out wins over good teams, this is huge for us. Mm-hmm. Um, Finally getting onto the Penguins here. Yeah. Uh, quickly, before we continue with this, you talked about wrestling heels. You know, just want to send thoughts and prayers out to the family of Scott Hall, as it yeah. seems like he's about to pass away, obviously. One of the greatest heels of all time in yeah, wrestling, about that. Um, for sure, the, back in the WCW era. But to continue on with the talk about the Penguins and the Golden Knights, uh, it was a really good game for the Pens. I thought it was one of the best 60-minute performances that we've seen from them. I thought they played really well. The second period, the Golden Knights kind of had their way with the Penguins for a majority of it, but it seemed like the Pens were able to play really well. Tristan Jari was solid in net. And honestly, what I really like the most out of that game Coming out of it, I was very excited to see the lineup. I was even more excited whenever I heard Valtteri Pustin was going to be making his NHL debut. I want to ask you what you thought about it. Before that, though, I just want to say I have no idea, and we'll get it to it, why this kid was sent down immediately after this. I don't know if they're trying to see what they have, see what options they have going forward, especially the week before the NHL trade deadline. But I really liked what I saw out of Valtteri Pustin. What did you think of his performance? I, I enjoyed it, too. You tweeted out the uh, underlying numbers of all the stuff I don't understand, but they looked good. Yes, they were. I, I think I looked at it and said, is this good? And it, from what I saw <clears throat> with my eye test, yeah, he looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. I Picking up a point in your first career game is always huge. Secondary assist, but hey, you know what? A point is a point. Am I right, boys? Mm. Um, but then on top of that, there was a power play opportunity that came a little bit later in the game, and he looked to be rifling that puck. If I, I don't, I was, I'm not expecting him to score, but he had a couple of open chances to pick up his first career NHL goal on that power play, and he looked good. Mm-hmm. Now, as for sending him down, those that's discussions we'll get into for later. But I thought in his one game tryout or appearance, he looked pretty solid, and looks like he can really do something if he's able to continue growing the correct way. Mm-hmm. When it comes to his first career point, which was his secondary assist on the Jeff Carter goal in the second period. As far as secondary assists go, that's one of the more impressive ones. He had the puck in the neutral zone, faded towards the Pittsburgh Penguins area. He sends a beautiful outlet pass to Brock McGinn and sets him off on a breakaway. And then, of course, you know, the save made by Laurent Bressois and then Carter able to pick up the dirty work and pick up the garbage and put it in. But as far as a secondary assist, that's a pretty good one for Valtteri Pustin. I liked his passing out there. I thought that was probably the, the prettiest pass he had. I also really liked his positioning. I wish I could have saved it, and I wish I could remember who made the post, but they said his positioning reminds me of Jake Gensel in the fact that he's not bowling his way into the right position. He's finding sneaky soft spots in the offensive zone where he can accept a pass, get a shot off, like you said on that power play, he did it a couple times, and just get into an area where a goal scorer is going to be able to score goals. He didn't convert, but still for a first career game from a young kid that has played professional hockey in Finland, I believe, I'm pretty sure that's where he was at. I just don't want to be wrong, but from 
his first career game to be able to see some of the intangibles, some of the hockey IQ that was talked about by Taylor Haas, that was talked about by Jesse Marshall that was when he and when he scouted him. To see that in action in his first game and to see that on the third line for the Pittsburgh Penguins where they have been kind of unlucky when it comes to getting progress out of their, their wingers on the third line with Carter, seeing that in a first game was very encouraging to me. Yeah, that's going to be encouraging because it's always hard when you're able when you put in a minor league call up because what are your genuine general first thoughts across the league? They're going to be on the fourth line. They're going to be playing like a handful of minutes. It's kind of a tryout. They're here because there's an injury, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, not in this case. He was in here because we finally saw the healthy scratch of Kasperi Kapanen, and it, we our fourth line's kind of set in stone. Mm-hmm. So you gotta stick him on the third. He's gonna play a couple of extra minutes, and you gotta have some real confidence in the in that when you have a team like that, like us, like us, the Islanders, and I think there's another one somewhere where your fourth line's pretty set in stone. You don't want the fourth line playing more. Mm-hmm. You gotta have some confidence in your call ups. Yeah. So every time we have a call up, I you you gotta really keep a close eye on him because the NHL is different from the AHL. It's a different game. Yeah. You're gonna be playing a couple of extra minutes, and maybe someone. Uh, else would have expected so the fact that he was able to come up have the good underlying numbers like you put out put up a point regardless of secondary assist primary assist or goal that's your first nhl point and he looked damn good doing it he's only in the midst of his first ever uh professional season on north american ice Mm mm-hmm we talked a long time ago. We would talk about that being a big deal. It's still a big deal. It's different ice. It's a different speed of game. It's a different style of game. And the fact that he's able to, in this calendar year, make it over the pond, lead the AHL Penguins in points and scoring, and then come up to the NHL for a game and still and look good doing all three of those things, it's phenomenal work. I'd love to see it. Before we move on, you've mentioned it a couple times, so I figured I'd pull it back up. The underlying numbers for Valtteri Pustinen in his NHL debut, 10 minutes and 13 seconds of time on ice, one assist. He was a plus two rating. He was also on the ice for the Mark Friedman game-winning goal. Uh, 73.52 expected goals, four percentage, and an eight eight scoring chances when he was on the ice to four for the other team. And then when it came to high-danger scoring chances when he was on the ice, five for the Penguins and only one for the Vegas Golden Knights. So a really good debut by Valtteri Pustin. Who knows, maybe we do end up seeing him later down the road. Maybe we see him closer to the playoffs. Maybe we see him as soon as the trade deadline is over. Maybe that's how this is all going to shape out. Who knows, whenever we do see him, though, I'll be excited to see his second career game and his second stint with the Pittsburgh Penguins. One last thing we should talk about before we bump over to the Carolina Hurricanes game that happened on Sunday. In the game on Friday, Brock McGinn was injured. I want to give a quick shout-out to Hunter Hodes, who posted, hey, now with Matheson back in the lineup, we are just a Jason Zucker away from a healthy Penguins lineup. Well, Brock McGinn is now injured. He is out week to week with an upper body injury. If you saw the uh, passing of the helmet post-game, you could see in the background Brock McGinn has a wrist cast on. At least it's a soft cast, so we'll see how long he's out. I don't. I know he left in the second period of that game, but nonetheless, McGinn being out, what does that mean for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Because I've really liked McGinn's progress, especially in the past couple of weeks, so to see him get an injury like this and be out week to week at a very pivotal point for the Pittsburgh Penguins is uh, is disheartening to say the least, but what, did you, what have you thought on Brock McGinn, and what does this injury mean to the Penguins lineup? 
Well, what the injury means, first of all, you, you shout out Hunter Hodes for his tweet. I'd like to point out that he made that tweet, and then literally five minutes later it was tweeted that uh, Brian Dumoulin was missing. So Yeah, but that, there was, that, that was just on an illness, and he was back the next day. At the time, we weren't aware of it, though. Yeah. <laughs> that was the funny part. We had to be really concerned and wonder what the hell Hunter brought upon this team <laughs> whenever he tweeted that. Love you, Hunter. Um, we do it, but of course it was him that tweeted it. Yeah. Um, just... <laughs> Shut up, asshole. Um, <laughs> no, so for Brock McGinn, you're right. His progress lately has been pretty stellar. He's not going to be the guy that scores you goals and gets you points. He's Again, he's our one of our fourth-line staples, but he mm-hmm. does what he has to do, and he's playing the correct form of game to play there. Uh, yeah, getting an injury like that doesn't help. He picked up an assist in the game he got hurt in. That's a point, right? And just difficult losing guys, especially mm-hmm. this season. Yeah, we're Jason Zucker away from being back to a full lineup. Cool. Well, now we're down Brock McGinn, and now we're healthy scratching guys. So who knows what is going on exactly yeah. with this team? We we have a trade deadline coming up. Let's just let's table the fully healthy talk for yeah. a little while, um, and just figure out what our lineup is. For what mm-hmm. it's worth, you know what? All how many guys are in the lineup at once? Twenty one. All 20 guys in that lineup are healthy at the moment. That is a healthy lineup, my guy. <laughs> just look at it optimistically for a moment. Just, just because we're not going to have our fully healthy starting roster for a long time. And now we have a trade deadline coming up where, like like I mentioned, we're healthy scratching guys like Kapanen, Pedersen, and just trying to organize what we have. We're calling up Pustinen for a game and sending him back down. We're bringing Zahorna back into the lineup to play over Dom Simone. There's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Brian Boyle got put back in the lineup to maybe somebody's chagrin. I don't know. There's a lot going on that we're. I think the fully healthy discussion might have to be tabled until, hell, maybe a week after the deadline. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the most influx the Penguins lineup has ever been under the under Mike Sullivan. I mean, most of the time, there are lineup changes to be made. There's not very often where you see this many. I mean, even in a two-game sample size, the lineups have been vastly different. I mean, obviously, the Dumoulin sickness and illness changes things, but thinking about the fact that Friedman is playing over Marcus Pedersen, thinking about the fact that Kapanen is in, then out, then in, then out. Simone has not been playing, but he was on the lineup for like 20 games prior to that. This is a very influx Pittsburgh Penguins lineup. And honestly, it's exciting to see what's going to go out there every single game. Because also, I have faith in the fact that no matter what lineup Mike Sullivan puts out there, this team's going to have a chance to win. Especially the way that Tristan Jari's been playing. And with that, let's move over to the Carolina Hurricanes game. Because I thought of the two performances, Jari definitely had more work to do in the game against the Hurricanes, as it obviously usually is because the Canes have played the Penguins tough this year. Of course, the Pens finally get a win over their bitter rival in division, the current division leader, the Hurricanes. So the Penguins try to make up some ground. They win by a score of 4-2. to Let's quickly go through the goals, and then we'll talk a little bit about the lineup changes and what we saw on Sunday. First period, again, only one goal. Again, only the Pittsburgh Penguins. Late with eight, only about a minute left, Brian Boyle gets his seventh of the season. 
puts the Penguins up one to nothing after one. Second period, the Penguins do the exact same thing, win it by a score of one to nothing. That one is a deflected goal by Danton Heinen. His 13th of the season, he has been a nice revelation for the Pittsburgh Penguins and a nice signing by general manager Ron Hextall in the offseason. So two to nothing after two periods of play. Then in the third period, about five minutes in, you could tell the Hurricanes were pushing hard. Brett Pesci scores his fifth goal of the season from the back. He sends a really nice wrist shot. And honestly, I mean, you'd like to see Tristan Jari make that save, but he just got it blown past him. It doesn't happen very often. Makes the score two to one. Luckily, though, Sidney Crosby with an empty net goal, his 20th goal of the season, made it three to one. Sebastian Ajo came back 14 seconds later, made it three to two, a little bit of a sweat. And then Zach Aston Reese with an empty net goal gets his second goal on the season, assisted to Jeff Carter. So nice to see Carter on the score sheet in back to back games. But even better to see good old Czar finally putting the puck in the net, even though he didn't really have to beat a goaltender and he was in on a breakaway from basically the blue line in. Hey, you know what? Both Zach Aston Reese and Mark Friedman have more recent goals than Kasperi Kapanen. So, yeah. we'll take it. Yeah. And actually, Kasperi Kapanen, I thought, could have had a couple mm-hmm. in that Carolina game. But again, Kapanen going to Kapanen, I guess. And just not fumble the bag, but um, not make the most of an opportunity, which sucks to see. Because we had to, we put him back in the lineup. This mm-hmm. was his chance. Like, hey, you, you see what it's like to sit a game out. Yeah. Right? You know that feeling now. And we'll talk about that more with the Pens poll because that was what the Pens poll was this week. Right. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, I mean, look at the rest of the lineup changes. Pustinen sent down, Zahorna brought up and placed in the game. That, we already talked about a little bit, seems like the Pittsburgh Penguins trying to figure out how many options they have at forward once the trade deadline is over. Do they have a guy like Pustin? Do they think he's ready? They see him against the Golden Knights. I think that that... To them, that performance, they said, okay, well, we trust him. We can bring him back up later. Let's see what we have in Zahorna. Let's see if he can still play against a team like the Carolina Hurricanes. So that's what that is. Kapanen in, McGinn out. That's due to injury. Dumlin back in after sickness. But instead of Mark Friedman out, it's Marcus Pedersen. What do you think of that move by the Pittsburgh Penguins and Mike Sullivan? You know what? I really don't hate it. Brian Dumlin is, pheno- is a phenomenal defenseman on this team. A defenseman for this mm-hmm. team, for this franchise. His play, though, has been inconsistent over the last couple of seasons since that that injury that we always go back to with him. Um, It's been up and down, and he's cost us. As a first-line defenseman, there have been times that he has cost us, not games, but goals, maybe a game or two. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying strip him of a first-line status, but get him on the second. Let Let him regroup a little. I mean, granted, again, yeah, he's had a lot of time to regroup from an injury that happened damn near three years ago. But you see where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Dumoulin's not a guy that is a consistent first-line staple. Sure, he has been for a long time, and he has earned that right in status, and I love him on the first line, but sometimes you got to flip things around, and sticking him on a second line just might be beneficial because we've seen him cost us here and there. We've seen him cost us you know, goals, points, games, having that on the first line isn't ideal and you want him to be fully ready for a first line. I kind of don't know where I'm going with this entirely, but basically I like him on the second line is what I'm getting at. Do I like Matheson being the one that takes over for the spot? I guess I have to be, but it's You don't have to be. I mean, I I think it's very interesting, but I also think it's a very volatile situation that if one, one of them and God forbid both of them are having a bad game, which they do have every once in a while where it is just super bad in his own in their own zone which that's a great 
It's a great analysis right there. Super bad. But if they do, if one of them or, God forbid, both of them have one of those down games, you're going to have to quickly supplant Brian Dumlin up there to try to stop the bleeding because these guys are prone to making awful decisions that hurt you defensively. But at the end of the day, when they're on, they're probably the two best defensemen you have in the lineup. Yeah, and I think I listened to uh, this game on the radio, or at least parts of it, and overheard some good tidbits for a couple of things I'm sure we'll, we still have to discuss here. One of them being this Matheson being on the first line thing. Chris Letang is a very good defensive defenseman, too. Sometimes. When you give him the opportunity to play defense, well, yeah, but he can be. When you give him the opportunity to play actual defense, he can do it, and he's mm-hmm. pretty good at it. Um, maybe putting Matheson with him, the guy that is going to, the only defenseman on the Penguins that is going to pinch more than Latang, that is going to <laughs> enter the zone deeper than Latang does. Mm-hmm. The only person, maybe that forces Chris Latang to stay back and play a smarter game of hockey sometimes. Because, like I mentioned, Brian Dumoulin blowing things up sometimes. Chris Latang can massively blow things up for this team. Mm-hmm. We've seen it over and over the last 15 years. He can make mistakes that just blow this team to smithereens. Maybe forcing Latang to just play a simpler, smarter game because you stuck, not someone dumb, but just someone active, like Mike Matheson on his line. Mm-hmm. It forces Latang to stay put on the line, play a smarter game, don't pinch with him, don't make sure it's not all of a sudden, oh, Gensel and Rust are the only two on the blue line, and there's three, three on two break, we're screwed. Mm-hmm. You... You force your your partner, who is Latang in the situation, to play a little smarter. And when Latang plays smart, that's what we want to see. Because when he plays smart, he plays the best hockey we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like the pairing in that sense. I don't like the pairing in the sense of they could both just pinch at any second, and and here we go with two forwards trying to learn how to skate backwards. Yeah. So it's it's we call it the mike matheson experience himself but man those two on the same line is just a whole nother experience yeah i like mike sullivan's idea to to switch things up see what can work because if you don't then in the playoffs is not when you're gonna do it and you get stuck with a certain lineup so i like the fact that he's trying things out with Pedersen as a healthy scratch and with matheson up on the first line with chris letang and and look at what happened i mean their offensive defenseman but they're all, they can both play defense, but realistically, Matheson had a goal and an assist in those two games, and Chris Letang had two assists. So they're already producing. So it makes a lot of sense to have them both up there from an offensive standpoint. From a defensive standpoint, I'm always going to be a little suspect of both of those players, to be completely honest. Yeah. But as of right now, it hasn't bite, bitten you in the ass if, you, if you're Mike Sullivan. So I don't mind that as much. The whole Marcus Pedersen healthy scratch thing, I don't think that that means that he's going to be the guy that gets traded, necessarily. I mean, possibly, because he does have that high cap number, but I still think, you know, they're trying to decide right now if they're willing to get rid of John Marino. And how are you going to make that decision if you pull him out of the lineup? And I I really do like the fact that they're rewarding Mark Friedman, with Friedman the way for the way he played when Matheson was out and giving him a little bit more time. I do really think that that's a good idea. I think you need to get Friedman a little bit more time on the ice. So I've, I've liked seeing and watching him play. Obviously had a big game-winning goal a couple days ago against Vegas, but seeing Pedersen benched is not the worst thing in the world. I think they're trying to figure things out. I don't think that you can really take anything from that decision. And I think it's just going to be one hell of a week where we start to see the lineup in flux just as we saw it over the weekend, and there's going to be three games, I believe, between now and the deadline. 
I guarantee you that that lineup is going to look completely different in all three. Oh, it will. It will. There'll be more of this just, I think there'll be a couple more of this just random, hey, healthy scratch this guy. We're just trying to see something else. Mm-hmm. Or um, just a little more of Mark Friedman, who who doesn't love that, regardless of who has to sit. Mm-hmm. Um, hell, maybe Chad Ruidel gets a scratch here and there, just because we're maybe we want to see Patterson back in the lineup and keep his consistency up. I mean, there was the other thought that Patterson got burned on a play in the Vegas game. He also took a puck to the face. Like there was a couple of things that Patterson maybe just needed the night off. It was just, just a, a reset for him. You know, mm-hmm. maybe he was stuck like dealing with some sort of facial injury, or you can't get walked like that in an important game against Vegas. All kinds of things could have happened there. But again, it's if you were gonna scratch someone, Patterson was the one to do it. Because Frieden was just playing out of his mind. And it's not even like he's scoring goals or getting assists. He's just playing fun hockey. Fun hockey. He's yeah. playing defense very well. He's saving goals here and there. He's scoring them. And he's, you know, playing fun hockey. I, I don't know how else to put it with Mark Friedman. This is the guy that you love to see. And he doesn't care. We finally have a nice, not that we haven't had one before, but we have a nice sense of there's just levity and joy on joy on this team. He's going to these media outings and just having a good time. Mm-hmm. Calling people out. Like, I go after the big guys. I don't care. <laughs> big smile on his face, regardless of who's punching him in the teeth. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff you want to see on this team. Just yes. joy. Fun. As, as far as personality, he certainly takes it to another level. So it's been fun watching Mark Friedman. Uh, a couple more quick notes before we t- head to a break and then come back and preview the Pittsburgh Penguins taking on the Nashville Predators on Tuesday. Uh, first and foremost... Of all the lineup changes, Dominic Simone did not see the lineup all weekend long. He was They brought up two different guys from Wilkes-Barre instead of putting him in. So I think at this point, he is purely injury insurance, and that's how it's going to be the rest of the season. And I, honestly, once the postseason hits and the rosters expand, I think he's going to be glued to the press box. I don't think you have to worry about seeing Dom Simone on the, the playoff roster, no matter how much Mike Sullivan likes him, because you see them trying out all these other players, and you see all these, these other players playing better than Dom Simone. So I really think that his time is kind of running out in Pittsburgh, but I do think that they're going to keep him around, obviously, as nice injury insurance, because if somebody goes down, he's not the worst option to put in there. But uh, one other thing that I wanted to mention, of course, we talked last week about the fact that John Marino and Evan Rodriguez have caught the attention of the Vancouver Canucks. They are the remaining two players for the Iron Penguin Award. There have been 60 games played by the Pittsburgh Penguins. The only two players to appear in all 60 are John Marino and Evan Rodriguez. So we'll see in the next week if we have any Iron Penguin recipients. <laughs> if they get traded, it's over. And we won't have to. We won't be able to award the award this year. But uh, the Penguins, of course, on this hellacious stretch are 5-1-1 one, one up to this point. Their two losses both came by a margin of one goal. And in the month of March, the March of the Penguins, as we said... They are 3-1-1. One, one. Looking to continue that on Tuesday against the Nashville Predators. We'll preview that and more after the break. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team to get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. 
everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customer a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We're talking Pens, Preds, rematch of the 2017 Stanley Cup Final. First time these two teams are matching up this season. Horwat, when you think of the Pittsburgh Penguins playing in Smashville, how impossible is it not to think about raising Lord Stanley's Cup for the fifth time, which is what the Penguins did back in 2017 after a one to nothing victory in Game 6? It's you do think about it. You remember those nights because of how much you didn't like Nashville's fan base at the time. You know, we thought the "you suck, it's all your fault" was a little far. Whenever goalie would give up one goal uh, in a game where you know your team has finally made the Stanley Cup final, way to go! It's been a lot of years. Um, you want to talk about arrogant fan bases for a little bit there? It was Nashville, the cream of the crop, eh? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that being said, I think. As time goes on, those, not memories fade, but you realize it's a different time in all of our lives. That was five years ago now. Jeez. We are old. We are old when it comes to that. We were still not allowed to drink at the time? Five years ago? Yeah. I mean, I'm 25. Yeah, I'm 25. Yeah. Yeah, we were still not allowed to legally drink at the time, so a lot has changed. Yeah, you still have those memories. Still, you go into Bridgestone Arena, you see the band playing, and you go, ah, we want a cup here. It's like any time we went into the Joe after mm-hmm. 2009, it was, hey, we, we have our victory here. Uh, you're welcome. It's just another cup that got raised there. Mm-hmm. Um, or any time we go to the SAP Center, although while you kind of forget about that one a little more because the lighting is dingy as hell. <laughs> and it's also the Sharks. Mm. Um, I think you do remember the Bridge, the Bridgestone Arena one a little more because it was, in our memory, one we can remember very well. We were, like we just said, we were 20. And it was the second of a back-to-back. It's a, got a little more importance than just another one in uh, San Jose. Not that another one in San Jose isn't important, but it's you got that feeling of everyone doubted us to win back-to-back, and we just mm-hmm. did it. Yeah. So yeah, that arena is going to hold the memories, um, but it's always hard, like having those memories when you only play there once a year, and it's the first time we've played there now in how long? Like when's the last time we actually played in Bridgestone? Uh, it's been a while. Obviously, this is the first time this season they didn't play last year, so it's been since 2020. Bare minimum. Yeah. So, uh, it'll be. It's been a while. This I I don't even know who's on Nashville right now. <laughs> That's how long yeah. it's been since we played them or we have had to talk about the National Predators. Mm-hmm. Well, you could bring up the, their daily faceoff and take a look through their lineup. Uh, as of right now, the Nashville Predators sit in the first wild card spot in the Western Conference in the month of March. Fairly mixed reviews. Four and two in the month of March, but that includes a on one side 
eight to nothing win over the San Jose Sharks that you were mentioning. They won on Sunday six to two against the Minnesota Wild, but they also lost to the Seattle Kraken. So there's mixed reviews on how they're playing, but overall, this has been a really impressive team this season. They have a solid top nine. I really like their entire top nine. Their their bottom line is what it is. I mean, it's a it's an NHL fourth line. I'm not saying it's bad by any stretch, but when I look at this team and I look at the top nine forwards that they have, it is impressive. I think three players that if you're a Penguins fan, you have to watch out for. And I know if they score tomorrow, most Penguins fans are going to say, who is this? But they've been really good all season long. And they're due for a goal. They haven't really been able to do anything this month. And that is Luke Cunnan, Yakov Trenin, and Taylor Janot. They have been solid this year, especially for the depth of the Nashville Predators. This month, it's been all Ryan Johansson. It's been all Philip Fordberg. It's been all Roman Yossi. And those guys have been really good as well. But those three that I mentioned, Cunnan, Trenin, and Janot, they're players that can change a game, and they haven't been able to yet in March in six games, so we'll watch for them to be on fire, or at least trying to be on fire on Tuesday. I think those three guys could be difference makers on Tuesday night. You're totally right. And as I look at this roster, I'm remembering Matthew Shane's having a resurgence of a year. Finally. Mm-hmm. Matthew Shane's back, so he's kicking around on that first line with you know, Hanson and Forsberg, like you mentioned. Michael Granlin sitting on the second line center. It's still a good team. You mentioned Luke Cunningham already as well. Uh, do you remember when we played them in the, here we go, the, the discussion of the 2017 Cup, and Colton Sissons was their first-line center? Yeah, isn't he their third or fourth-line center third. right now? Third. Yeah. Third. That t- we, we played a broken team, but we'll take any any chance we can get. We had a broken Chris Letang that year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're a good team. What are their playoff standings again? Are they it, in the spot? Yeah, they're in the first wild-card spot. They're tied with the, uh, the yes. Minnesota Wild, but just don't have the tiebreaker right now. So they're a team that could very easily finish in the top three in the Central. Yeah, they're a team that could very easily find the postseason, maybe go on a run of sorts, because who's their goalie? Oh, it's because they're... see Soros. Really? UC who's Soros, their goalie? Man. He's one of the best goalies in the league, man. I Because I I'm so used to Pekka, and I knew he retired. I mean, his numbers, his numbers in the Raptors, but... Exactly. <laughs> um, so UC Soros, and, Dave, and big save Dave Riddick as the, mm-hmm. back, as the backup. Um, they have a good little goaltending duo there, too. So this is something that this team, if it can get hot at the right time, can, do, can make a little noise. I'm not saying cup-worthy cup at all, but um, they're an interesting team. They're a good team this year at just looking at the lineup and the fact that they're tied with Minnesota right now, who's overly having a good year Mm -hmm. i mean when i look at them and you say that you don't think they have cup potential i actually think that they looking at the way the western conference is it's wide open i mean calgary's been really good vegas has fallen off the only team that has really been consistently good all season long and they even started a little slow that's colorado but when i look at the matchup between colorado and nashville while nobody matches up well with the colorado avalanche because they're ridiculous what you're going to need to stop them is a hot goaltender and pretty solid depth scoring. That's Nashville in spades. So I don't want to get into their playoff predictions and get into what I think they can do, but I think they have as good a shot as anybody else in the West. I mean, I, I think when you look at the Western Conference, it has to go Colorado, Calgary, because of course they're the top two teams right now, but I also think looking at their lineups on paper, it matches the performance that they've had. But then I think Nashville is is in that mix right after that. So we'll see them for the first time this season on Tuesday night. When you look at the Penguin side of things, obviously we've talked about what they've been doing, have won two straight games. 
I think the Pittsburgh Penguins need a little bit more out of Jeff Carter. We started to see it over the weekend. Obviously, he played really well when he was with McGinn and Pustinen. He got traded off with Kapanen and Zahorna on Sunday's game. And I thought they had a couple of opportunities. But again, you need more consistency out of Carter. Sometimes it's not his fault. Sometimes it's the fact that, look at that. In two games, he had two completely different lines with him. So I think he needs to score a little bit more consistently. But again, I don't think it's all his fault. No. No, it's not. It's it's hard whenever you're the experimental line. Like I said, he's he's our third line center, Jeff Carter, for sure. But he plays on the Penguins, where our fourth line is set in stone almost, unless there's an injury. So when a call-up happens or a change happens, it's on his line. There's not much he can do about that except for adapt. And for what it's worth, I mean, he's been able to adapt pretty well this year. He had to play first line center. He had to bounced a second he had to play a wing he's had to be everywhere no one has had consistency on this team this year the only two main consistents are our first and fourth line yeah fourth line is now injured and it was injured with teddy bluegrass out for a long time Mm -hmm. so our biggest consistency has been our first line and people want to break that up no by the way excuse me i don't want to see that yet sure we want to see depth scoring but spreading those three out doesn't seem like the right move i think at depth scoring. Yeah, I think the fact that Evan Rodriguez went up to the second line after he got benched in the third period of Tuesday night's game, when he went back up onto the second line, I thought he's, pl- I think the last couple games he's played a lot better. Obviously, he had the empty net goal. Obviously, he almost had a goal on Sunday on that wraparound chance that was a millimeter away, to be completely and we didn't honest. We talk about that one. But at the same time, I think he's played a lot better, and I, I think he's starting to gain his confidence again. And his shot. I mean, it's always been there. It's the matter of fact of being in the spot to shoot and making the shot when you can. And he's been doing that since he's been up on the second line the last couple of games. So I don't think they need to necessarily. Before Rodriguez came up to the second line, I thought maybe drop Brian Russ. But as of right now, as long as Rodriguez can play the way he can, and as long as Heinen is playing the way that he has with Malkin, I don't see any issue with keeping the first line intact of Crosby, Gensel, and Russ. Because, I mean, it's a top five line in all of hockey, and I still think it's it's vastly underrated, even with Sidney Crosby at the helm. Yeah, no, it is. It's th- Those are lines you keep together. Mm-hmm. Sure, separating them might implement some scoring somewhere else, but it's, you know what it's not going to do, though, is implement scoring of other people. they got to do that on their own. Maybe yeah. they'd get an extra opportunity because someone else is playing with Sid, or yeah. you know, Brian Russ makes a ridiculous pass, or maybe is able to pot a couple of assists for some guys. That's just not how it works, though, because it's going to be those same three guys mostly making the production. Sure, mm-hmm. like the names around them will be um, benefiting, but that's just not how it works in my eyes, I think. It's a hard discussion, really, but again, breaking it up right now just isn't the answer. The depth scoring was vacant for a long time, yes, and those thoughts crept in at the beginning. But we had a bunch of guys in our depth scoring that could figure it out, and they're starting to. Heine's picking up a goal. Jeff Carter's got a couple of points now. Uh, we don't talk about Kasperi Kapanen. Evan Rodriguez, while it was an empty netter, um, is making moves and making progress and at least looks like he's playing confident again. Mm-hmm. So we don't necessarily worry about the depth scoring being helped, helped out by a first line when there's a little bit of rebirth there. It's starting to find its way back. And then, of course, we'll see what happens with the trade deadline in, in seven days. So uh, the the matchups to watch, I'm glad you actually talked about the Crosby line a little bit there. I think that's obviously one of the biggest matchups 
on Tuesday night. You have the Crosby line taking on Roman Yossi and Dante Fabro. Of course, Yossi is, is a Norris candidate. He, he's leading the Nashville Predators in points this season. So as a defenseman, he has been absolutely lethal offensively, especially as of late. He has been the first star in their last couple of games with just racking up four-point nights, three-point nights, two-point nights all over the place from the blue line. So he is certainly going to be a tough guy to beat, not to mention the fact that he is a shutdown defenseman as well. So he will be probably going head-to-head with the Crosby line. I think you got to watch out for that. Uh, Preds power play versus the Penguins penalty kill. That's going to be a huge matchup on Tuesday night, especially considering the Penguins have taken a couple you know, games where they've been in the penalty box a little bit more recently. Um, I think the penalty kill, of course, for the Penguins is, is third. It's been helped out by the fact that Teddy Bluger has returned to the lineup, and he did return, I believe on, what was it, Friday was his return game, right? No, Tuesday. Last Tuesday was his return game. And the Preds' power play is seventh. You talked about Matt Duchesne. He's on fire. Ryan Johansson is good. Obviously, Philip Forsberg is just, he's a weapon anywhere on the ice. So, Preds' power play versus the Penguins' penalty kill, that's something else to look out for. And the last one, you mentioned, I mean, you didn't know who he was, surprisingly, but UC Soros is a Vezina caliber goaltender this year, and so is Tristan Jari. That matchup is going to be huge between the two goals. Goal saved above average, Jari is sixth, Soros is fourth. Save percentage, Jari is seventh, Soros is fifth, and then in wins this year, Tristan Jari is fourth in the National Hockey League. And UC Soros is sixth. So one of the best goaltending matchups that you're going to get this year for your money is going to go down on Tuesday night between Jari and Soros. So if I'm you and and, and I'm a betting person at DraftKings Sportsbook, take the under. Ooh. Cool. <laughs> I don't know what that means. No, you're, I know what that means. You're um, like, I don't care. I'm not a betting person. Just use use the promo code to uh, help us out. Uh, yes. I, I, I know what that means, too. And I like that idea of taking the under on that. But they're just also, at the same time, while, while goalies are making stops, yeah, these are two high-flying offenses. They you are. The, you get the Penguins going, and you get the right guys uh, firing on all cylinders in Nashville. Um, I like the idea of an under, though, just because, I mean, the Predators' defense isn't what it used to be. The Predators' defense used to have three top pairings. Yeah, it, at a t- for a time, and it was disgusting. And I think it was before Subban even got there. <laughs> that was, they had one of the best defensive cores for a long time. It is not that anymore. It is very not that anymore. But they're able to still trot out a Roman Yossi because Roman Yossi things. Matias Ekholm is still there, and then that's really it. I, you can remember when they were able to say Roman Yossi, Matias Ekholm. Who who did they just trade away? Ryan Ellis. Ryan Ellis, and then that guy we had for a minute, um, who was pretty good. Christian Ehrhoff? No. No, he wasn't there. He was. He played for like three games here. He was, uh, I don't remember who you're talking about. going to bug me, but he played in Switzerland. Um, yeah, that guy. We He was pretty solid whenever he was in Nashville for a little while, and then you tossed in a, a good, at least, P.K. Subban. This, this team's defense is very much not that, but it is – Fair enough. Whenever you say Yossi, Fabro, Ekholm, Carrier, Ben Harper, Matt Benning. Mm-hmm. This isn't totally terrible. No. But no. it lends more toward a scoring defense than a defensive defense. And I think that's where the Peng- I think that's the matchup you need to look for. The Penguins defense, while it is while it does have some shooters like Latang and Matheson, I'd say we're a little bit more defensive than we are uh, uh offensive. 
That's yeah. just me. So I think if we're able to shut, if our you're defense is able to shut down their offensive scoring, there you go. So you're actually looking for a high-scoring game on Tuesday. I believe so. You're the opposite. Okay. Well, we'll see on Thursday. This is fun. Nice little show bet here. I think it's the under, and you're leading towards the over. I know you're not a betting person, but that's Remember just, who's not the betting man. <laughs> we'll say that. We'll say you're leading towards the over. But let's quickly, before we go over to our Pens poll in the last segment, let's take our first playoff look ahead. Let's not spend too much time on it, but... My question to you is, Horwat, which matchup do you like the most for the Penguins? If you look at the first round, who do you want them to match up against? I know it kind of seems like Penguins and Rangers are destined to play each other, but which team currently in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, which is going to be the eight teams basically, which team would you most want to see in the first round if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins? So for a fan of viewership and a fan of just fun, absolutely ecstatic hockey, I would say Carolina. But that could just be the second round, eh? Yeah, I'm I'm staying far away from Carolina based on what I saw. I don't even remember if I said this when we were, you know, talking about the game and reviewing the game, but the Hurricanes outplayed the Penguins the majority of that game on Sunday. That was uh, Tristan Jari's first win against that team. Yeah, ever. Ever. Yeah. So th- th- that's the scary team to play, but... In terms of viewership and just fun hockey, that might be the best option. In terms of getting the Penguins to win, I'm going to say Washington because Mm -hmm. they don't seem that great right now. But they're going to be in there. Mm -hmm. They are the worst team currently in playoff positioning in the East. And it's not close. I, I, I I don't think it's particularly close. They're three points behind Boston, who's the team above them. Not even, um, not even in points. I just mean, in general, when oh, it comes to teams, yeah. they, are, they, are the, they are the eighth best team in the Eastern Conference right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so those are two clean answers there in terms of fun and in terms of ease, ease of Penguins victory. But I think I'm okay with saying the Rangers as well. Just pretty much the other three <laughs> Metro teams. Just because I have, sure, I'm not calling this... These, these penguins a contender until they can win the first round i'm not but i feel like they have a they finally might have a good chance of doing it this year mm-hmm. regardless of who they play carolina might give us some struggles um tampa bay and florida might give us some struggles boston might too just because we don't play well in boston and there is no seating when boston is in the playoffs mm-hmm. toronto would be fun but i feel like we just cakewalk them well, I don't Especially know. Toronto embarrassed the Penguins the last time those two teams met. Yeah, but Toronto keeps embarrassing themselves. Well, I mean, that's I'm talking the curse playoff of the history. Yes, I'm talking playoff history. I'm talking things they've done this year. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they keep embarrassing themselves. Yeah. Um. But that being said, I like overall. I'm gonna pick the Rangers as my final answer, even though I just ran down every team in the East. Yes. I'm gonna pick out the Rangers though because that is a rivalry that can get renewed pretty easily. So Pretty easily. You'd most want to see the Penguins take on the Rangers. I think so, for an opening round, because, yes, Igor Sturkin is playing MVP-level nonsense. Mm-hmm. But you find a way to beat him enough, because they have a good team. Like I said, they're the team that stupidly goes off for an eight-goal game. They just did it the other day. They scored seven. Yeah. <laughs> they scored seven. They're the team that could pop off like that, but that's a measuring stick series for Tristan Jari. You stop well, off that. You stop off that offense. You got confidence going in for the rest. Well, we all saw what happened to Tristan Jari last year against the New York Islanders. Any series, as long as the Stanley Cup playoffs logo, the newly invented Stanley Cup playoffs logo, Boo. is on the ice, 
it's going to be a measuring stick for Tristan Jari. No matter what he did this season, which is honestly probably going to finish the top five in Vesna voting, it doesn't matter if he doesn't do it in the playoffs, obviously, but that's not that's a discussion for another day. Uh, I completely and wholeheartedly disagree with you. I don't want to see the Rangers, but that's what we're going to see. I think it's going to be entertaining, but as far as matchup-wise, I, I, there's no other answer than the Washington Capitals. It is by far the easiest matchup for the Pittsburgh Penguins, not to say that they would cakewalk them, but to say that it's easier than them going up against Igor Shosturkin because you said if they can find a way to beat Igor Shosturkin. Well, not many people have found a way to beat Igor Shosturkin. We'll see the Penguins take on the Rangers two more times this month alone, but the only time they've played them, they scored one goal. They won by a score of one to nothing, which is enough, but we have to get in the fact that it's a seven-game series. I Not that I don't trust Tristan Jari as of right now. Obviously, we need to see it, see it in the playoffs. I believe that Igor Shosturkin could steal games way easier than Tristan Jari in his current positioning. I love Tristan Jari in the season that he's having, but Igor Shosturkin is an absolute animal. And the fact that I think Artemi Panarin in the postseason, when he's leading a team, is going to be able to take over a series. And I think that's what you see with the Rangers in the first round. Now, if that is in, in fact the series, I think it's going to be a good six to seven game series. But when I look at the Capitals, I want the Capitals. Like, Anthony Mantha has returned. He's pretty good. TJ Oshie has been in and out all season, and that's kind of hurt them. Backstrom missed the beginning of the season. But they were god-awful in January. They were decent in February. And now in March, again, they're decent. They're not a good team this year. Like, they're not a great team this year. They're not a team that I think is going to go far in the postseason this year. And honestly, I am. I think they're the weakest team in the Eastern playoffs. I wouldn't say the entire playoffs because there's some weak teams in the playoffs in the West, but they are by far, in my opinion, the weakest team in the East. So I think that that's who I'd like to see the most. What I think is going to actually happen, if the Penguins can go on a run, their, their path to the cup is probably Rangers, then the Hurricanes, then Oof. whoever wins between the Panthers and Lightning. It's not an easy, it's, it's not an easy road. It really isn't. And of course, anything can happen once the playoffs start. But if they're going to make a run, I believe that that's what they're going to have to do. What I'd like to see them do is play the Capitals in round number one. You want to see, just randomly, the Capitals, I don't know. You're going to get a hard team, so probably the uh, Rangers or Hurricanes. And then what? You want to see the Leafs then? I don't think the Leafs make it that far. Hell no, but you that's the easy route. And it's still got a hard chapter two. The easiest route is probably for them. Capitals, Rangers. I I hate saying easy when I talk about the Rangers, but it would be Capitals, Rangers, Leafs is is the best draw that they can hope for out of these eight teams. Yeah. If you want something to fall back on in terms of Rangers in the postseason, act like the Penguins haven't just dominated that franchise in the playoffs these last couple of years. Dominated them in 2016. Yeah. They dominated him in 2016, but then they got embarrassed the two years prior to that. Are you forgetting the fact that they oh, kicked shit. the shit out of the Penguins in 2014 and I in 2015? I fell back to 2008. I fell all the way back to 2008, <laughs> and I blocked those years out of my mind. Yeah. So, again, we saw firsthand what a good goaltender on the New York Rangers can do to the Penguins in the playoffs, in Henrik Lundqvist. And now they have Shostarkin, who's basically the same thing. But So completely ignore my comment, by the yeah. way. I'm not cutting that. Come on, man. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to gather ourselves and then we're going to finish the show off by talking about Kasperi Kapanen on our weekly pet Love poll. It. <laughs> 
hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and even better opportunities. Again, that is promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Our weekly Pens poll this week. What would you prefer the Penguins do with Kasperi Kapanen the rest of the season? First and foremost, he needs to shave the walrus stash that he has going on because it is not helping his play whatsoever and he looks stupid with it. But... The actual answers go as follows. Trade him. 64% is the winner of this one. Of course, the majority of our listeners and the Penguins fans say they should trade Kasperi Kapanen before the deadline coming up in seven days. 31% say just play him. Let him play out of his slump, and it'll be better for it if he can get out of it. Okay, that's fine. 31% say that. And only 5% say we should carry his, whatever, $3.5 million cap hit and bench his ass, put him up in the uh, in the press box. So 64, 31, and 5, still the majority of Penguins fans saying that they should trade Kasperi Kapanen. Horwat, what do you think the Penguins should do with Cappy? Trading is the easy answer because you get return. Although, at this point, what kind of return? And it's hard to shift out a cap hit that's not doing a damn thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the trading answer just because trades are fun, regardless. It's new opportunities for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Who knows? We could trade away Kasperi Kapanen, and he could pop the hell off, and all of us hit revisionist history and go, why did we trade him away? Because he wasn't doing anything here. It's the way we look at Jared McCann these days. Why didn't we keep him? Well, who knows what he would have actually done here. He's getting way more opportunity there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do look at the, the comparables of we could have. I mean, I don't think it was the question of we could have kept one of them. No. That being said, um, revisionist history aside, the trading answer for Kasperi Kapanen is the easy one because you're able to bring someone back who has a better opportunity of helping you win, which is the whole thing I went on last time we talked about. Mm-hmm. Anybody who comes back in the Kapanen trade has a higher opportunity of helping you win. It's a matter of, does that person play? Kapanen sucks right now. Who are you actually getting back? Nobody. That's exactly. That's my thought right now. I would honestly think that I don't, I don't think there's a hockey trade to be made with Kasperi Kapanen. I really don't know if there's anybody in the league. I mean, there might be because we always see people get second chances everywhere. And, you know, Jim Rutherford loves Kapanen. So who knows if he's a part of that trade. But realistically, if Kapanen's going to get traded, for some reason, and I might be way off base and we can get old takes exposed here in a week, it feels like if he's going to get traded, it's going to be him and like a fourth round pick sent out for like a sixth round pick. It's going to be a team doing the Pittsburgh Penguins a favor by unloading his cap hit before the deadline so they could fit somebody else underneath the cap. That's what I think. If he's going to get dealt, that's what, for some reason, I have a gut feeling that's going to be in some kind of cap flexibility move where the Penguins get back a draft pick or draft considerations or a low to mid-tier prospect. That's really, for some reason, what I feel. And I honestly, in this pool, I said trade him because I didn't think that, you know, I don't think he has any value left to this team. Again, Ole takes exposed possibility, maybe, but I seeing him get benched in the game on Tuesday, then seeing him get scratched on Friday, you think, okay, 
He has to respond in a big way on Sunday. And honestly, he was more noticeable in a good way than I've seen him in a while. A couple of two-on-ones. And I'm glad that he's actually shooting the puck instead of pulling up. But watching what he did there in both of those two-on-ones, and it might be nitpicking, but the way that he's played this entire season and seeing the fact that on those two-on-ones, he shot it right into the chest of Antti Ranta. He didn't shoot for a pass. He didn't shoot low, which is what most people do on a two-on-one. And he didn't shoot to pick a corner. He shot to make a dent in the chest protector of Antti Ranta of the Carolina Hurricanes. I thought they were wasted two-on-ones because realistically when I saw him going down there, I thought there was 0% chance of them going in and I was correct. So I really don't think he has value on the Pittsburgh Penguins anymore. I would trade him if I was if I was, uh, the, if I I was was the Ron Hextall. And I might get old takes exposed for this, but I really don't think he's turning it around anytime soon for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So trade him for a seventh round pick. That's fine. Yeah, there's not much we can do about it. It's ship him away for nothing and just let it be. Fill a spot in with somebody else, anybody else. And move along. It's so aggravating watching him play almost because you know he has the skill to do something. You know it. We all are aware of the skill he possesses. Mm-hmm. He, for whatever reason, it's not there. For whatever reason, it's he's gotten in his own head mm-hmm. or something. I don't. It's so we're not sports psychologists here, so we really can't come up with an answer. But I wish just, I was. I'd get paid a lot more money if I was a sports psychologist. Yeah, but just watching him, it's. <laughs> baffling played he played great last year all over the lineup we were talking last year if he could play on all four lines and we're confident in this mm-hmm. now it's we don't want him in the ahl my god what is the biggest intangible that he has his speed Duh. yeah yeah what have i not yeah. seen his speed when all else fails he should be able to fall back on his speed it's what we did with carl Haglin. carl Haglin was basically as good of a goal scorer as Kasperi Kapanen is this season. But you know what we didn't see? We didn't see Carl Haglund slow down. He kept his pace up. That's what we're seeing from Kapanen. That's why I think it's mental, and that's why I don't think that he should be on the team anymore. I, that's why I liked him in the press box, and that's why, honestly, whose lineup spot did he take on Sunday? Valtteri Pustinen. Who would I rather see in the lineup? Valtteri Pustinen, because he's young, he has something to prove, and honestly, I don't think Kapanen has it this year. I don't think he has the mental capability this year. And again, not a sports psychologist. Haven't even ever talked to the guy, so I might be way off base. But from what I've seen, he doesn't mentally have what it takes to play the National Hockey League this year. Yeah. No, not one bit. It's whatever it may be. It's it's not his time. And shipping him out just seems like the best option because at least it's you get some return somewhere. Mm-hmm. Regardless of if it's a pick, it's just a little, a little bit of cap space. That's the big one, really. Cap relief. You're going to get cap relief if you send them out. That's yep. big. Unless someone's like, we're not taking on that cap unless we send you one. In that case, you've got a player who might be able to do something. You never know. I don't know. The fact that he's on an expiring contract makes me feel like one of the bad teams, like like a Seattle who has the space or like an Ottawa that has the space. Hey, we'll take that cap hit, send you a seventh round pick, but you're going to have to pay a tax. Give us a second, third, fourth round pick. Would you pay a third round pick to get rid of Kasperi Kaplan right now? A third, maybe. I don't care about a third. We don't I, have much of a minor league a system or a, or a pool, but, uh, I mean, it's it's kind of the bit of the discussion that a lot of people are starting to have of, are we just going to sell off the farm to win now again? I don't think they're going to sell the farm. I think that the picks are, are one thing. I, think, I don't think the first-round pick is staying around this year, to be completely honest. But 
if you're getting rid of a guy like Kapanen, fine. If you're getting a guy, rid of a guy like Poulan, fine. If you're getting rid of a guy like Legere, fine. Because guess what? It doesn't seem like any of those players are going to be up and able to make a difference until, what, late next year at the earliest? And you don't, and you don't even know if Latang and Malkin are coming back. So you don't know if this is the final year for those guys or not. So honestly, if it's Poulain Legere or a first round pick, fine. And if you need space, send out Kapanen. Fine. That's where I'm at right now with it. Yeah. You mentioned Latang. They're fine. A little more, a little more rumor millish with uh, Latang discussions. Yeah, out, the Saravali tweet nice. came out with the what five? He's looking for five he years. Wants, something. That's a this. lot of years. Yeah, but do you really care about the last couple? I don't know, but he, what was it, five years? And seven he wants something. it to start with a seven, and I went, 70 million's a lot of dollars. So 70 million, yeah, okay, you're cheesy ass. But yeah. uh, <laughs> no, honestly, with everything that's going on, especially in the salary cap, with Kasperi Kapanen, I think the correct answer is trade him. I might be off base, you can disagree, but it seems like most of Penguins Twitter doesn't disagree with that. 64% said to trade him. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back on Thursday to review the game between the Penguins and Predators and to preview the game between the Penguins and the St. Louis Blues. Have a good week, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.